Good evening, good to see you. If you have your Bibles, turn to Psalm 130. Psalm 130, thank you guys for being here tonight. Brothers and sisters, always good uh, for you to be here with us and glad that we have some visitors tonight as well. If you don't have a Bible, and again, you want to use that pew in, uh, the Bible in the pew in front of you, it's on page 518. If you'd like to turn to Psalm 130, I believe we've talked about this psalm before. It is the psalm that that song that we just sang is based on, a powerful song, a powerful psalm. Uh, tonight we have the opportunity uh, after services just to remind everyone to celebrate our lads to leaders. Uh, they have set up some things in the gymnasium for us to uh, celebrate with them. So let's make sure that we celebrate them tonight, encourage one another, serve those around us tonight. Look for opportunities tonight to serve and to recognize folks. Psalm 130, of course the Psalms are part of the uh, poetic uh, area of the Old Testament where you think about uh, Psalms and Proverbs and those sorts of things. And you know, it was in some ways uh, perhaps a song book for the uh, Jews and even for the first century church as they would uh, sing songs of praise to God. They would often use these psalms to think about. And of course, poetry is written from uh, the author's point of view, where whatever they're going through, whatever they're feeling, whatever they're experiencing, they're putting into word their feelings. And we can appreciate that. We, many of you perhaps like modern day poetry and that sort of thing, but I think that we can all relate to Psalms, especially like Psalm 130, because we've all been in places like the psalmist is here. We've all been in a place like this at some point in our lives. I want to read Psalm 130 to you. I want to share a few thoughts with you, read it again to you, and hope that it will be something that encourages you. You know, sometimes we come to, uh, to worship and we learn new things. We think about new things. We think about how we can be better at, at acting and, and uh, living in the Christian life. And sometimes, like tonight, hopefully from Psalm 130, we're just encouraged by God's word. Let's read Psalm 130. You can follow along with me. Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for, for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Again, probably in, in some form or fashion, I think everyone uh, can relate to this. Maybe, maybe the youngest of us would have a problem with relating to this, but this, this psalmist, in whatever's going on in his life, he's coming from a, a deep, dark situation, a bad place. Uh, maybe it's things that he's struggling with himself. Maybe it's the, uh, the, the situation that, that Israel and God's people are facing. Maybe it's one of the many times when they're uh, punished because of their previous sin and another nation comes in and, and overtakes them and they're persecuted and they're punished and perhaps they're in exile. And any number of things from Old Testament Israelite history could be going on. But, but clearly when he says, Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. He's in a difficult situation. You and I have been in difficult situations before with the sicknesses of loved ones, the death of loved ones, the loss of a job, uh, sometimes even just our, our, our mental health. We've been in depressed states. We've been in states where we don't know where to go, we don't know where to turn, and here the psalmist is in some sort of place like that. And where does he turn? He turns to God. Of course, that would be a wise place for us to turn. He goes on to say, Lord, hear my voice. 
Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. Probably something, and it's interesting, the psalmist, whether it's David or whether it's any of the number, a number of other psalmists, oftentimes they approach God in prayer in a very different way than, than we tend to approach God in prayer. When we tend to approach God in prayer, we're, we're very thankful, we're very almost careful about how we approach God. But time and time again in, in the Psalms, the psalmist says, God, listen to me. God, remember who you are. God, I'm calling on you to just do what you said you would do. Listen to me. And very, very different than our prayers, more, more forceful. Calling God to remember, it reminds me of what Moses has to do a number of times in his interactions with God. Remember when, when the Israelites, even under Moses' leadership, they, they rebel against Moses multiple times, and there's two or three times when God says to Moses, hey, listen, I'll just wipe these people out, and we can start again. I can get done what I need to get done with a whole new group of people, Moses. Don't you worry about it. These people are stubborn, and we're going to get rid of them. And Moses, thankfully, for the Israelites of the day, he steps in and says, God, Remember who you are. Remember your loving kindness. Remember your forgiveness. Remember your goodness. Don't, don't let it be said by all the people around us that you turn your back on your people. God, please be merciful to us. And seemingly the, uh, the psalmist does that many times. But he says to God, please hear my humble plea. It's a supplication. It's a, it's a humble plea, but it's a forceful approach. God, please listen to me. Have you ever had conversations with people like that? That you just so desperately want them to listen to what you have to say, your perspective, your point of view? That's what the psalmist is saying here. God, please listen to me. Please pay attention to what I'm saying. Next he says, if you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? Can you relate to that? Can you relate to that phrase, God, if, if you kept score, I couldn't stand before you. God, if, if you had a, a tally uh, mark of every time that I sinned, my sins would be innumerable. And there's no way that I could stand before you. Lord, if you should keep, if you should mark iniquities, who could stand before you? But then he goes on to say, but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Now that sounds kind of interesting, right? There's forgiveness with you so that you may be feared. You see, God is not only feared or maybe a better way to say it that we would understand better, respected or admired. God is not only feared because of his great power, which he certainly does have, but also because of his forgiveness. Have you ever been in a situation where maybe it's, maybe it's a video you see online, maybe it's a situation that you're personally aware of where someone has every right and someone has the power and someone has the authority uh, to call someone out, to, to mark someone, to, uh, to, to punish them in some way, but then they don't. They have the power, they have the authority, they have the right, they've been wronged, and, and the natural tendency would be to, to punish the person who has wronged them, but then you are just impressed by, you are amazed by the grace, the mercy that is shown. Where does that come from? The best example of that is from God, right? Lord, if you were to count iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be feared. One of the reasons we should respect God, of course, is not only because of his great power to be able to say, let there be light and there is light, to be able to say, do all of these things in creation, but also because he's willing to give us forgiveness and extend hope to us. Then it says the words of the songs that we just sang. We sang both of those songs of waiting for the Lord. And that idea of the the anticipation of it, I will wait for the Lord, my soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. We can find comfort 
and hope in God's promises. And this isn't a this isn't a waiting where, you know, you just you just sit back and say, well, you know, God's going to show up and he's just going to take care of everything. This isn't a waiting where we're just, uh, you know, expecting someone else to do everything for us. Do you have children? Have you had, ever had children act like that before? Or they just expected you to do everything for them? Pray for us. Uh, you know, we've probably all been there if we've got children, right? That they just expect you to do everything. This isn't what God is talking about here. This isn't what the psalmist is talking about here. What he's talking about is, listen, I've done everything I can do. I've tried every avenue. I've done my best in every situation and circumstance. And I've finally come to realize there's nothing I can do. So I'll wait for the Lord. I'll trust in the Lord. I'll take comfort in the fact that God knows my situation and God cares about my situation and I'll trust that he is going to act. Have you been there? Probably so. And maybe that's a place we need to be more often. See, I'm willing to wait because there's no other being that can fulfill God's promises except for God. He goes on to say similar, similar words. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. Indeed, more than the watchman for the morning. So again, there's this idea. Think about ancient cities where they would have the walls around them and they would, they would post watchmen. They would post people who would stand on the wall. And what are they looking for? Well, they're looking for people who might attack in the middle of the night. That was something that was uncommon. Uh, it was something that didn't happen very often. You know, they didn't have night vision goggles back then. Uh, if you were holding torches from a long way away, you know, people would be able to tell you're coming pretty quickly. So there weren't a whole lot of nighttime battles, but there were still this idea and this importance of let's post watchmen. And what does a watchman do in the middle of the night? Uh, when I was in college, I worked uh, third shift security at Faulkner University. And man, I could tell you, they were really scared of me. Uh, not really. They could have come in and done whatever they wanted to because they didn't give me any weapon or anything. I was just sitting in the, I was checking people in and out. I didn't have any authority or any, any power to stop anybody. But the watchman is there. And in the middle of the night, when everyone else is asleep, when nobody else is ready, it's up to the watchman to be awake and to be ready. And when he sees something coming, to let everybody know, wake up. They're coming, get ready, we have to fight. And you can imagine if you've stayed up for a long time, if you've worked third shift, if you've been to a church lock-in, if you have to stay up for whatever reason, if you're up with a baby in the middle of the night, you know how tired you get. So there's this anticipation for the morning. There's this anticipation for when the sun rises. There's in this anticipation for when the next watchman, when your relief comes. Well, what about God? When you're going through difficulty, when you don't know where to go, when it's hard to see a way forward, when you don't know exactly what's going to happen next, but you're anticipating that Satan is still going to work in your life and try to bring about some sort of bad in your life, Aren't you anticipating God working in your life? Aren't you anticipating even the second coming of Christ? Aren't, you know, that's, that's this idea that, that sometimes I think we struggle with because we are abundantly blessed. Many of us, most of us here are abundantly blessed. We have more than we need, way more than we need, most of us do. And because of that, we have a, we have a harder time anticipating heaven. We have a harder time of leaving this life and the many blessings that most of us have and going to the next life. But this, this watchman is eagerly anticipating, earnestly working while he is on watch, but longs for the watch to be over. Uh, that's why, you know, the, the, the New Testament writers and Old Testament writers talk about, come, O Lord. 
Talk about Maranatha. You know, let's, let's come, let's eagerly anticipate the, the second coming of Christ. Let's eagerly anticipate the time when, when this life is over and we move on to the next life. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. And then it, it wraps up by saying, O Israel. Now today we are spiritual Israel as Christians, so it could easily say Christians. It could easily say, O Jefferson Avenue. Hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness and with him is abundant redemption. And he will redeem us from all our iniquities. Again, if God kept score, if Jesus didn't erase that score on the chalkboard, how many tally marks would be up under your name? But the Lord has loving kindness. He has mercy. And he has abundant redemption. God can forgive us for all of our sins. And we, we know that. We recognize that you know, God can forgive all of our sins. Uh, but God, God doesn't run short on grace. God doesn't run short on mercy. I, I don't believe in once saved, always saved. I don't think that's a biblical teaching. But I do believe that we're going to have to do an awful lot to lose our salvation. Remember, he's going to go and chase the one that leaves the 99. Remember, he's sitting on his porch waiting for the prodigal son to come home. And he's going to run to him. Remember, no matter how far you've gone off, he's always ready for you to come back or for you to come to him. We can lose our salvation. It's possible. But you're going to have to do an awful lot to make that happen. And ultimately, it comes down to not trusting in who God is, not relying upon him the way that this psalmist is relying upon him. We need to hope in God. There is loving kindness, there is forgiveness, there is peace that passes all comprehension. It's more than sufficient. And God will redeem his people. God wants you to go to heaven more than you want to go to heaven. And he has done and will continue to do everything in his power to make that happen. Listen to Psalm 130. Out of the depths I have cried to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplication. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. I will wait for the Lord. My soul does wait. And in his word do I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is loving kindness. And with him there is abundant redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Tonight I hope that this will encourage us to remember who is our Lord And the next time you're going through whatever difficult, dark situation that you're in, turn to God, Christian. Tonight, if you're not a Christian and you're going through a difficulty, you're going through a tough time, there is no one better to turn to than God. He offers you not only to take care of you in this life. Don't worry about the things that you'll eat. Don't worry about the clothes that you'll wear. God will provide those things as you follow him and as you seek him. But more importantly, he offers you the forgiveness of your sins. Tonight, if you're not a Christian, then you have, are lost. You're separated from God because your sin has made that possible. You've fallen short of the glory of God, and everyone in this room has done that. We as Christians, those of us who are Christians, we've recognized that, and we've turned to God, and we've confessed his name as our Lord. And, and all that means is that he's going to be the leader of our life. We're going to do our best to live according to his word. And we've submitted to baptism 
where we reenact the gospel of Jesus Christ by dying to ourselves, being buried in the watery grave of baptism, and rising to walk in newness of life. And all that means is there's nothing, there's nothing magical about the water. There's not, a, there's not a miraculous feeling that you get when you come up from the water. But the reality is, through our obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of our sins have been washed away. And Christians, we walk in that confidence, don't we? That our sins have been forgiven. And if you're not a Christian tonight and you want to know more about that, we want to talk to you about it. Brothers and sisters, turn to the Lord. If you're not a Christian tonight, turn to the Lord. It's our practice that here in just a second, we're going to stand and sing a song. If you want to come forward and let us know whatever needs you may have, we'll be happy to talk to you and see how we can help you, whether that's a physical need or a spiritual need. But we're really concerned about your spiritual needs. Brothers and sisters, it's true for you. We're here for you and we want to help you in whatever way we can. If anyone has any needs tonight, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.